21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. We use stories to tell certain components, like inflation is a big thing right now. And we tell a story in there about how um, a contractor was hired to redo a bathroom in an old home and found uh, a box of uh, money in an old metal box hanging from the backside of a mirror in a house that he was redoing. And it was money. This would have been around in the 1930s. Yeah, the money would have been put in there around the 1930s, like around the Great Depression and all that. Well, they didn't find it in the house until, you know, in the 1990s, right? 2000, something like that. So inflation, you know, those dollars sat in there untouched and they were pristine, right? But so the paper was still there, but it did, they didn't hold their value because when they when it got put in, I want to say it was like 180,000 of currency that got put in there. Well, in the 1930s, compared to today, that'd be like two and a half million dollars today, 180,000 in 1930s, like two and a half million today, except that since it stayed in the box, it was still one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Right. It didn't it didn't appreciate. So there's a story in there talking about inflation. Inflation is a hot topic around the world right now. You know, one of the chapters we talk about in there is is health and wealth. Like, are you actually going to make it uh, to retirement if you don't take care of your health? And Bill actually has a great story about that. Yeah, right when I turned 50, I actually found out that uh, I had an issue with my heart. You know, things were starting to feel in my arm and my side that weren't natural, you know, and I had been in what I thought was perfect health up until that point. So uh, I went to, I just moved to Baton Rouge, went to a, a new doctor and not knowing what what's going on, but I just knew enough to know that something's wrong. And come to find out that I had about a hundred percent blockage uh, on a branch of my LAD artery. They had to go in and pretty quickly uh, do a stent and and take care of it. But luckily, no heart attack or anything like that. But it was certainly a wake up call, you know, to the fact too yeah. close, too close for comfort, and knowing the fact that hey, we've only got so many days. And that could have really been it if I wasn't smart enough to get in front of it and really think something's wrong here. So health and wealth, we kind of tie that in with the book is like, hey, you know, retirement is a destination, but are you even going to get there? And so make sure you're taking care of yourself, looking for those warning signs and and doing what you need to do to, to kind of what we call jump over the snakes as you uh, yeah. approach them. The best time for planning for retirement was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Right. And that's for a lot of things. Um, but the, the concept of time really does sort of mess with your mind, especially the older you get. You think about the percentage of what a year means when you're 50 years old. Well, that's, you know, 2% of your life. But when you're 10, it's 10%. It seems like such a long, long period. As you age, that those years, you know, the saying goes, the days are long, but the years are short. And we find using this concept of the runway to kind of picture that decade is really true.
because when you get on a plane, you're just creeping when you first make that turn and head out on the runway. But by the time you're near the end of the runway, you're zipping by, right? And these lights and reflectors are flying by you like the weeks and months of your life. And so momentum really gets going. And, and that's kind of that the way time works when you get up in your 50s and 60s. It's like, gosh, things are really flying by here. So that even magnifies the importance of taking action now. Well, I would add to that. Bill talked earlier about health and wealth. And in health and wealth, early detection is important in both. Right. So uh, he talked about his early detection of his uh, heart situation. But the same is true when it comes to your wealth in the sense that the time to find out that you're not on a good path is 10 years ahead of retirement. It's not the day before you get your golden watch and retire. Right. It's it's way ahead of that. It's, if you're going to sell your company one day, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs uh, that you interview are, you know, have an exit strategy and things like that. They're think they're thinking towards, well, the time to think about your exit strategy is five, 10 years ahead of time, not when somebody approaches you with an offer. Right. So uh, call that early detection, because as we know, uh, when doctors find things early, they can typically address them and fix them. Uh, sometimes it's too late and they have to tell you it's too late. Well, the same is true with your money. Um, you know, if you get to age 62 and you're just now starting to think about all this stuff and getting your ducks in a row, it could be too late. If you start when you're 50 or like Bill said on the runway decade, uh, you got a better chance. Do I need to have a lot of money? Well, I would say this, uh, savings rates matter, right? And we talk about that in the book, you know, you have a, someone that's a, making a hundred thousand dollars a year and they're saving, you know, 1%, you know, thousand dollars, somebody that's saving 40,000 and is saving 10%, 4,000, you know, that's the magnifier right there. So lifestyle matters, savings rates really matter, especially over the long haul. So again, in getting front of some of these things, if you're looking at things when you're 50 and possibly retiring mid sixties, or even some folks later, um, there's still that runway left. And it's a time to change maybe the attitudes and the thinking that you've had around savings and, and make a pivot there. There's a, there's no quote that says, you know, if your inflow exceeds your outflow, your upkeep becomes your downfall. You've probably heard that before, but, but so do you, do you have to have a lot of money? No, but you do have to have enough and enough is a, is a variable in everyone's household. That is what's your lifestyle. Like, how do you spend, do you go skiing every year? Do you take a family vacation? Or do you live more modestly? So I think the first answer is how much do you need? We talk about that early on in the book about, you know, really visualizing what it is that, what it is that you want, how it is that you want to live, because that, that is the first step to answering the question of how much am I going to need? Sometimes I'm so confused with the topic. So probably I need a financial advisor. What do you think? Yeah, I think you have to make a decision of, do I go it alone or do I uh, seek a guide? And we use an analogy in the book about a time that we went, uh, I took my family white water rafting, never done it before. 
you know, you're barreling down a mountain in Colorado. Uh, there's rocks everywhere. There's a chance to flip over. Um, I'm guessing like my family, most of the people that have been down that mountain, that was the first time. And maybe like in my case, the only time I'm going down that mountain. And so you can sort of assume retirement is that way. You're going to do it one time really well. And, um, the question is, uh, do you take someone with you that knows where all the rocks are, where all the turns are? And it turned out that our guide had been down the, the guide in the raft that day, he'd been down that mountain thousands of times to the point where he could tell you what was coming up and when to paddle to the right and when to paddle to the left. And I think financial advice is like that. I think you, you, uh, we all have blind spots and a good financial advisor can do the one thing that you can't do to yourself, which is hold up the mirror and show you what they see. How do you feel now when the book is almost out? Are you happy? Oh, wow. Well, I would say we're very happy. You know, <laughs> this started as really uh, just a seed of a vision about a year and a half ago, you know, so you think during the middle of COVID, the shutdown, and we really were starting to put some thoughts around how do we get our messaging out in a really good way? And who do we do well with? Well, it's folks that have established themselves typically in their 50s, typically business owners or like those C-suite folks, business professionals. And so we got together with some thinking on that and kind of made it this labor of love and took a couple of you know, small trips uh, just uh, to get away from all the busyness of everything and really got intentional about it. And then the process, just putting it all together and finding the ins and outs about writing a book and how that goes about, it, it's taken quite a while. So to see it actually get to fruition and to be a thing that you can hold and share and, and you know, just uh, sort of impart what you think your wisdom is to the world is a really cool thing. Yeah. And, and uh, like a lot, like a lot of great ideas, they start with a glass of wine or a little shot of bourbon. And this one was no different. Uh, but that's usually where good ideas begin and end, right? So to go through a process. Um, and again, we chose to follow our own advice about having a guide. We chose scribe media to be our guide and in, in putting the book out because we knew we had never done that before. And then we needed somebody to navigate those waters for us. So to see that all the way through, but also to have the satisfaction of knowing that uh, if we got off on the wrong path, somebody would certainly nudge us back on. Uh, and that that's been great. It's a great accomplishment because so many people, I think, do want to write a book, but they never, never really get to the finish line. Beside your experience, did you had any transformation during the process? From the from the start of, of writing the book, and did you did you had any tipping points in the process? One one of the things that it does in writing a book is it makes you collect your thoughts in a uh, coherent way. You know, we we have conversations all the time, and we've been in business a long time, so we have a multitude of of great stories and conversations that have come out of just being advisors. Uh, but collecting those into a logical track that somebody could follow from beginning to end to a book. I think that was really a revelation there because when you're, when you're in conversations, they go all over the place mm -hmm. and 
you, they don't have a, you know, they may have a distinct beginning and end, but in the middle, they're all over the place in a book. You do have to kind of walk step by step and think through the logic of each step. It's kind of interesting. You know, the first really, it was probably a page and a half or two page document that I kind of typed out saying, Hey, I think this is an idea that we should maybe pursue. And once we got into it, we go back and look at what was actually in the book compared to that page and a half document. It has changed dramatically. You know, your thinking sort of changes. And like, as Pete said, you, you really dig deep into your thoughts and ideas and what is the best thing that's going to fit in this situation. The process that we developed, and this is something we came up with over years, again, of conversations, uh, the process we use in our practice is called the confident wealth experience. And it's a step-by-step system that we take people through to help them think through all the things that impact their wealth and and their future and help them make better decisions and so forth. So the book actually really kind of follows closely along the lines of how we walk people through the confident wealth experience. Because at this stage of the game, you have a lot of people that have are successfully maybe just kind of drifted forward. They've accumulated money, they've had success, they've set money to the side, they've set up retirement plans, they've done all the things that they're told that you're supposed to do. Uh, but the one thing that is always missing is that roadmap and that plan. And that's actually the thing that gives people confidence. So you can have a lot of money and not have much confidence about the future going through a process like the confident wealth experience actually has the the result of confidence clarity and direction about the future and that is a those are key points to you know really feeling like you have a successful life and not every strategy is a successful exit strategy that's right yeah the i mean successful strategies are really a function of you knowing what your goal is at the very outset and then being able to move towards accomplishing that i think when you go back to the beginning of that most people don't have goals right so you got to set a goal before you can try to set out to achieve a goal we use the gps analogy a lot where the first thing that the gps asks you is where are you going and then it and then it draws back and it finds out where are you now so financial planning is really no different you have to go tell it what do i want what am i trying to accomplish what what would be a good exit for my business what's that look like how much money do i need uh how do i take care of my people and all the other stakeholders in the process then it'll draw back to where are you now and it'll tell you hey there's three paths to get there right which which one of these do you want to you know, do you want to take? And it's a great analogy for, for financial planning. And what about risks? Everything in, in our life has a specific risk. So what about this specific journey? If I choose one? Oh yeah. I mean, we do talk about in the book about several obstacles that are along the way. I think one of the main ones for anybody's situation, when you talk about financial planning is fear, you know, who do I trust? Um, what if I make a mistake? You know, what if I, 
put money in the market and the market doesn't like it at the time, you know, all these slight little things that can play with you mentally uh, are can pile up to be some pretty big obstacles. I think overcoming inertia is just the big thing, you know, get some momentum moving and that uh, that tends to get you leading in the right way. So just making that first step is often the biggest obstacle when someone uh, undertakes financial planning. And to do that with someone, as we've said, that's that's experienced these type of things before, someone that can can be a good mentor and a leader for you, uh, that's a good place to start. There's a spot in the book we talk about the the big mistakes that people make and uh among those not to go into every one of them but among those is you know over diversifying meaning you you just have a lot of eggs in a lot of different baskets to the point where you get you know uh duplication and and uh you know confusion about what you own you could be under diversified and that's really betting on one or just a handful maybe of ideas that are, are in one lane, you know, this would have been, you know, maybe somebody that just said, well, I'm just going to buy this one stock or I'm going to go all in on, you know, growth stocks or whatever. Um, those are the types of things that create more risk in, in someone's portfolio and, and, you know, really, uh, change the odds of success, right? Because you're, uh, you're making mistakes that are avoidable. Uh, others are, um, you know, investing for like chasing an interest rate, right? Instead of looking at the total return of an investment, you know, those are gambling when you think you're investing. We saw a lot of this with crypto recently. It's, you know, people called it investments, but really it's, you know, organized gambling to a certain degree. And, and I think those are, as long as you know, you're gambling, that's fine. If you, if you think you're investing and it turned out that you're really gambling, that's risky. Being brothers and working together, takeaways. <laughs> yeah, well, look, there's not just the two of us. We actually have another brother in the business with us. Uh, our brother, Andy, who works alongside of us as well. And I tell you what, it, there's, there's nothing like it in the sense of the camaraderie, the uh, inside jokes uh, that no one else gets but you inside the office and um and just the satisfaction of uh doing something we've done our whole lives which is which is doing something together being together laughing together growing together helping other people together i think that's the most meaningful for me Yeah, no, we come from a pretty big family. There's six of us. And so three of us are in the same business. So it's, it's kind of cool to show up at work every day and, and see somebody you've known all your life, you know? Uh, that's, that's certainly a, a unique situation. The trust factor there is, you know, really where it begins and ends because, you know, we've all been in business with different people. But there's just this inherent trust inside of the the brotherhood that uh that is priceless i trust you guys what's my next step 
Well, I think the next thing would be to reach out to us. You know, we do have a website, runwaydecade.com. That'll tell you a little bit more about our project, the book that has come out. And uh, there's a place to click down in there and say, contact us, you know, or you can also go to our website, horizonfg.com. That's Horizon Financial Group. We'd also like to remind everybody we have a podcast out called the Runway Decade Podcast, where we're interviewing folks in their 50s, some interesting people, just kind of getting in their brain of how they're living life in their 50s, but are also projecting out maybe the next 10, 15 years as they're on their runway to retirement. Every episode has been pretty unique. It's been a cool exercise for us. So uh, check that out. It's on the runwaydecade.com as well as where you might find all your regular podcasts. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.